Tavern Squad is a tabletop RPG podcast that features adult themes and language. Listener discretion is advised. Take a moment to like and subscribe. Take a few moments to leave a review. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Reddit, and Twitter. Or visit tavernsquad.com for more of our content. Since the dawn of high fantasy RPGs, there has been no greater stage for a story to be told or to begin than a tavern. The mythical epicenter for both adventure and drink alike. Armed with their dice, tankards, and creative expression, five D&D nerds quest for glory and to keep traditional narrative cliché alive. This is Tavern Squad. Hello and welcome to the Tavern. Here is our second session of our uh, new season, our new campaign. For this session, we have the same cast, but why don't I go ahead and introduce them in the order I see them on my roll 20. Uh, so we're going to start with uh, Dan playing Roynar Karagark, the half-orc fighter. Uh, Dan, what, what do you remember from our previous session? Hey guys, um, so Roy was assigned by the law to investigate a 15-person disappearance in the area of the city known as Baraz Lake Point. Um, he was assigned to work with G3 from the Central Bureau, um, sort of oversight, which he was not super pleased about. Um, as they were making their way down there, he saw a woman being extorted by some city guards, and he dived in to stop them. A little skirmish ensued, but they were able to get him to leave the lady alone. And then he ran into this weird goblin, and he saw this weird floating thread. The goblin beat him to touching the thread, and then, like, seized up. And I think that's kind of where we left off. All right. Thanks, Dan. Uh, the next person we will go ahead and get a little recap from is Andre, playing Tums, the goblin rogue. How you doing, Andre? Doing well. Uh, and I guess we'll just we'll catch off from uh, that little goblin that they met that touched the thing. He uh, touched the web. That's me. That's Tums. Uh, and so you, you may be wondering uh, how I got here. And the answer is is that uh, Tums had a pretty shitty day. He got fired from his job at the post office after uh, his numbers were down and he got a talking to. Things got heated and he may or may not have set his boss's trash can on fire. Yeah, we would say allegedly, but the uh, the fire alarm definitely went off. Yeah. Uh, no, the, the place is, is messed up. Uh, everything's wet. Uh, with the fire on. It, it, it's a bad situation. <laughs> <laughs> Think of all that soggy mail. That's too bad. <laughs> you brought, a, like, a satchel full of mail with you, right? Like, you have that. I did. Yeah, Tums, he's got his satchel full of mail. He's still in his postal uniform. Um, technically, he quit on his terms, but he's he's gonna be, you know, he's he's going rogue. He's a rogue postman. <laughs> or post-goblin. I vividly recall that Tubbs is going to go get south because he just <laughs> oh, got fired. This is I, true. I think that was a great plot point um, um, that I don't want to forget. Also, he did try and lift your your purse, uh, Reinar. Yeah, Tums, Tums was like, he was gunning for, for your money. It was... It was too opportune. Disappointed by the contents, though. Yeah, yeah, just some uh, not not very notable rocks, which I don't know why you'd carry those around. It was semi-noticeable rocks. Yeah, you just needed to put them in your rock tumbler, and then they would be precious. 
So the next person we will go to is Sean playing Guard 3, the Warforged Barbarian. How's it going, Sean? Good. Uh, last episode, you know, G3 got woke up from standby and got a not-run-of-the-mill mission. So he's working outside his jurisdiction uh, with kind of a off-the-handle uh, partner in crime, I guess you'd say. So it'll be an interesting buddy cop, seeing as we've already overstepped pretty much all of the directions we were given thus far. Yeah. <laughs> you had a crazy dream, too, right before you got called into duty, right? Oh, yeah, it's an off day for sure, you know. Dreaming about, you know, this really beautiful Warforged. Maybe it was like a weird wet dream. I don't know, we'll find out. <laughs> it's normal, that happens. That's like the thing all the prophets leave out. Yeah. And they have their, like, visions. They, they don't talk about <laughs> the sticky sheets. <laughs> <laughs> That's their actual muse. <laughs> And last, but certainly not least, we have Jessica playing Cecilia Slitherspoon, the lizard folk blood hunter. Hell yeah! Um, yeah, so Cecilia, we first entered at her initiation um, into the clan of the Crested Saguaro, and I was given my first big assignment, which was to kill an undead. And then after the ceremony, I visited my BFF, Stacy who let me know that her Aunt May had some troubles at the museum that she worked at. So I went down to the town of Brasley's Point, uh, where the museum is, and her aunt showed me this box. Inside it was this creepy, screaming, uh, dead hand which belongs to a demon. So Cecilia has finally that target to chase after in order to complete her first mission. And I believe that's where we left off as well. That is exactly right. So, uh, with that recap, thank you all. That was very fun. Um, we are going to go ahead and start. I am going to uh, start this session with Cecilia. Imagine, if you will, as I paint this word picture. Multicolored light filters through the stained glass windows and pours across the marbled floor of the Barazlays Point Museum, lending a polychromatic reverence to the valiant heroes etched in stone. The sound of muffled screaming and wood clattering against the stone floor ring off of the high-arched hallways, spoiling the peaceful ambiance of this gallery. Aunt May looks at you in despair, Cecilia. Her visage tells of fear and exhaustion. Her leonin ears and whiskers twitch with irritation at each shriek emanating from the rattling chest. Her feline eyes fall upon you. So, um, there it is. I, I take the box off the floor and make sure that I, like, kind of clasp it closed with my nails, just, like, digging into it a little bit. And I say, don't worry, I have a mission, and this, this is my mission to kill this and help you out. Don't worry, Aunt May. And I, like, extend one hand and awkwardly, like, pet her fur because I don't really know how to interact with other animals that well. Go ahead and make a charisma check. We can go ahead and say persuasion. Negative one to my roll. I got a six to persuasion. I, like, get caught on part of her hair and, like, pull out some fur. <laughs> Oops. Ah! She says, grabbing her head, and takes a moment, very irritated, but then she closes her eyes and, like, a patience washes over her. Look, Cecilia, I'm scared. Understandably. I, I don't know how these creatures got in here. There's no forced entry, no 
broken windows or anything. Are there any, like, tomb-type, like, underground access points? Like, what about, like, sewage? You know, stuff like that. I, I suppose there there is a drain. Let's but... go check that out. Okay. And Aunt May leads you out of the eastern hall, and you see that there are three statues along the eastern wall, and there's a stained glass window in between each of them. One in particular catches your attention. It looks like a lizard folk Ooh. in a eerily familiar pleated cloak. Ooh! I scurry up to it and read it. You go to look at the etchings, but you see that they have been carved out. There is no namesake. This statue has been defaced. How long ago, you can't tell. Aunt May, why is the statue ruined? Well, uh, Cecilia, being on Barazle's point, th- this museum has always been on the edge of what was Barazle. This is an old place, and this is not the first time creatures have tried to break in here or steal the precious artifacts we have or deface the statues of these heroes. Uh, this, this has been etched off for as long as I can remember. I, I've worked here for 15 years. No one knows what it's about? No. So, Cecilia likes to sketch stuff, because that's just, you know, one of her hobbies. So she's gonna sketch down this lizard folk and, like, try and take details of, like, its robe and see if there's any, like, unique features on it, and she's gonna ask her fam about it later. Go ahead and do an investigation roll. Investigation. Cecilia got 18 to investigation. Very nice. So you do notice that on the pleats of this robe, it looks like there used to be small bursts of thorns, but a lot of them have been like chipped off or just kind of worn away. Perhaps the most interesting thing, on the bottom of the kind of pedestal upon which this statue is placed, you see an etching. There looks like in the center of this etching, it is a dark circle. It is rimmed by Another circle where it has points, kind of like a compass, like a compass rose. There's a point at the top, the sides, and the bottom. And going around the radius of this circle within a compass shape, (laughs) uh, there are dots and sun rays kind of coming off of it. And I imagine you sketch that down. Of course I do. In the top right corner. Bada bing, bada boom. You turn and you see the other statue being painted in this multicolored light right next to the lizard folk statue. It appears to be a strong half-orc, and in his hand, there is just the hilt of a sword. Uh, the rest of the blade appears to have been broken off, perhaps intentionally. And the first name has also been etched out. And May, do you know anything about this as I turn the page and start sketching this guy down? Well, from the best I can tell you, this group of heroes, these three, and she gestures to the ones on the eastern wall, these were one of the hundred-year heroes, Ooh. but hundreds of years ago, maybe a, about a millennia ago. Mm. Um, we have seen that these have been defaced, and, you know, there's a human, a lizard folk, and what looks like a half-orc. The last name on the half-orc reads Karagark. I definitely write that down. Aunt May continues, These three were able to work together and apprehend the... Kota Danov, and she turns to the pedestal where 
the box was at the bottom of it, and there is a tome on top of it. It is a very disturbing book. This was a book of lesser demons. Ooh. How to summon them and control them. Ooh. Can I, can I look at it, please? Definitely not. Why? Um, it's a dangerous book, and this is a museum. Look, but do not touch. Fine. You're no fun. <laughs> Where is the sewer? And uh, Aunt May gets a kind of irritated look at you for a moment. Furrows her feline brow. All right. The, uh, the grate is over here in the central room. And she leads you out into the central room where you see the big winged statue uh, of a humanoid with a blade in their hand and the large fountain in front of them, uh, a pool full of this like lightly glowing light blue liquid. She guides you to the center of this kind of large antechamber where you see a drain uh, with a brass fitting over the top of it, a grating, and it's no larger than like 12 inches. I don't know the metric. Sorry, um, rest of the world. <laughs> Americans suck! Okay. <laughs> uh, I want to do an investigation on that as well, just to see if, like, anyone crawled out of it, or there's sure. any, like, magical breaking stuff. Sure. I guess that'd be arcana if it was magic. 11 to investigation. Okay, so... There doesn't appear to be a lot of disturbance. You can tell by investigating it that the grate has a locking mechanism. You kind of twist it about 90 degrees and it will come off. But looking around, you don't see any blood, any skin, or any real signs of passage. If they were to get through this drain, they would have had to compress themselves down into kind of like, you know, a 12-inch diameter column and go up. Can demons do that? I think, in my head. Go ahead and do an intelligence check. Intelligence. Or an arcana. You can again do this with advantage. I got 22 to arcana. Some demons can compress their bodies, and the particular demon that you saw in this chest that you're holding, and it's still rattling around in your arm, it looked kind of like bulbous and squishy. Uh, kind of nasty. You (laughs) think that kind of nasty, kind of ratchet, uh, and you can tell that uh, this creature probably was able to squeeze up through the drain. Aunt May, I recommend closing this up more because some demons are squishy and can and go through small cracks. You should really... You don't need this to be open, do you? No, so certainly not. Yeah, bear, bury this shit in cement, Aunt May. Don't let anyone else in. I can try my best to lock it, but I don't know who's going to be able to do that on such short notice. Cement, Aunt May. The local hardware store has it for like ten bucks. Just mix it with some water, shove it in the hole, there you go. Boom. Done. You're welcome. Thank you, uh, for your sage counsel, Cecilia. You see Aunt May looks at the floor, looks at the marble floor, and she just looks tired, weary. And the arm in the chest finally kind of quiets down, and you can hear Aunt May's stomach rumble. Are you hungry? You need a break. Let's go, let's go to the pub and get you some, some, some alcohol to just calm your nerves. I see your twitchy little whiskers. And I like bigger whiskers with <laughs> my claw. Don't do that. <laughs> Why? I am not some kitty cat that you can pet and play with. I don't know You're what you so do with Stacy. and fluffy. Okay, that's very nice. But come on. Me and Stacy are very hands on with each other. Because I'm scaly and it's fun type of thing. And then she's fluffy and poof, 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 
She Erase can't. that, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm keeping that. No, that's fucking staying. Uh, you said it. It's it's sticking. <laughs> the highlight. She cocks an eyebrow. Okay. Well, whatever you two do, as long as it's consensual, is fine by me. Don't touch me like that, please. Let's go to the bar, though. Seriously, I think you need you need a little, you know. Okay. I guess that sounds good enough. It's on me. I just got some money from working the cone fields. All right. I sold my gold corn. I won't pass. To the king of the entire city. No, the king's guard. Okay. Cool. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, living on the steps, you get plenty of crops and the best go to the top. That's for sure. Go all the way up. And I'll never pass a free meal. Uh, there's a place nearby called the Angry Gut. Despite the name, the food's actually really good. All right, let's go. Also, but is there a heavy item in the room that I can just move to block off the thing? Uh, and the book. There is a there is a front desk. Can I lift up the front desk and put it in front of it? Yeah, you could scoot the desk over. Okay. I do that. Okay. And then is there an extra layer of protection that we can give the book? They're probably, Aunt May, like, they're probably after this book. Yeah, uh, I think that's right. So can we, like... Protect it a little bit more? I have placed a ward on it. Uh, anyone who tries to touch it will explode. Oh, shit, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, that's why I told you not to touch it. Ah, all right, well. All right, can you leave that here, please? The bar, like the, the, the dead hand? Yes. Mm, okay, fine. Thank you. And I, like, tie a string around it just in case. Okay. So I have, like, neon string in my pocket. Nice. It's for fun. Why not? I can tie my wig up with it sometimes because it gets in my hair, in my face sometimes. And For sure. I can breathe it in with my weird extended lizard mouth. Your snout? Yeah. <laughs> it happens. It happens all the time. Yeah, I like to braid it a lot of times. I go Viking style. Nice. It's very, very badass. Classic. Anyway, we're going to go to the bar now. All right. Yay, alcohol. All right, so you push out the front doors of the Brasleys Point Museum, and you're kind of hit with this warm spring air. It smells a little bit acrid just because of the, the nearby, you know, industry that's going on in, uh, in Denver. And Denver? Denver, yeah. The, oh, we're on Brasleys Point. Uh, Brasleys Point is called that because it's kind of a confluence of areas. It's Denver, Brasley, and Fenton Ridge. And... Barazle comes to a sharp point, so they call it Barazle's Point, but it's kind of like a working... It's like a Tri-Cities area. Like the... The like Tri-State area. four corners. Yeah, except like there's you three. You put a foot in one and a foot in another one, and then, like... Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a big... It's, like it's a, a tourist trap, for sure. Twister. Yeah. There you go. Definitely. Lots of fun. To the tavern! To the tavern! You walk out into the fresh air and along the cobbles, making your way to the Angry Gut Tavern. Now we will shift our scene over to our uh, affiliates of the law, the Central Bureau, and an ex-member of the Post. The sun and its shadow crest above the shingled roofs of the clustered township of Denbro as the clock strikes 2 p.m. The illumination floods this maze-like alleyway, washing the stone buildings in bright daylight. The warm spring air is soured by the smell of sulfurous coal smoke and the pungent fumes of nearby industry. Guard 3 and Roynar. The twisting alleyways around you seem devoid of any activity. Shuttered windows serve as the only audience, as you behold the unconscious goblin postal worker in the soot-covered pathway 
Streaks in the dust are the only evidence of his seizure. He murmurs in a fitful rest, brow furrowed, beads of perspiration glimmering in the daylight. You want to give me some murmuring, Tums? I'm, I'm not going to move that. That's that's freight. That's not my job. <laughs> you send that to PedEx. <laughs> I don't want onion rings. <laughs> it's going to upset my stomach. Roynar and G3, what do you do? Well, he's definitely breathing, so... I think Roy would look at G3. Do you come with any medical experience or any kind of uh, program or anything you could use to assess this guy? G3 kind of thinks for a second, you know, head tilted. No, no. I'd say I'm more prone towards violence. (laughs) Get me a drink. Uh, Well, I guess that makes two of us. Uh, I don't really know what to do with this little goblin guy, but I don't really think we want him hanging around. We should probably take him somewhere and then, I don't know, just leave. G3's kind of, like, taken aback. Um, well, I mean, I guess as long as we're up here, we could take, we could go to a bar or an inn. I mean, they'll know what to do with a goblin who's passed out, and uh, maybe we can ask some questions about the people who've gone missing. See if we can come up with any other leads to go off of. What if we try shaking him first? (laughs) Um, be my guest. So G3 just two beefy hands on his little shoulders and gives him a gentle shake. Uh, go ahead and do a medicine check for me. Alright. Give me a drink. I imagine it's like you're between, like, big pincers and you're just, like, very, like, robotic shaking. Yeah. (laughs) Like, almost seizing. (laughs) And you know, rolling a six, that's probably an accurate description of what happened. (laughs) Tums, can you give me a uh, shaking sound? (laughs) (laughs) You can hear the unconscious goblin, uh, you know, emit a sound, uh, but his eyes remain fastened shut, and after you finish shaking him, he remains unconscious. I, I don't think it worked. I don't think it worked either. But put put it on Prilo's tab. So how about we go with my plan now that we've tried yours and take him to an inn or something? Sounds fair. Are there any in this area? Uh, I'm not too familiar, but I bet we could find one. You guys want to make a perception for me? Uh, I got a 17 to perception. So, Renar, as you look uh, up the alleyway from which you came down, you see two figures pass by. Uh, the first two people uh, you've seen for at least ten minutes uh, after Tums seized and then went unconscious. You see a purple lizard folk with neon pink hair and a long braid that comes down her back. Uh, She has these black leathers and these baggy pants. She walks beside this Leonin who has a kind of Bengal tiger type uh, coloration and this Leonin has on these nice blue robes. Looks fairly formal. And you see them making their way northwards, kind of passing by the alley. And I think to myself, there's a woman who knows where the party is. <laughs> Ray, Johnny! <laughs> um, I, I do see that, and I'm going to look at G3, and Roy will say, um, well, why don't you carry him, and we'll just try to get back out to the main street and see if we can find anything. Sounds fair. Uh, and G3 just picks up little Tums and throws him over his shoulder. As they're exiting, though, I think Roy would do, like, another scan, because, I mean, 
I think the lady did disappear, and the thread was kind of crazy. So is there, like, anything else around? I'll roll an investigation for that. Okay. I got a 15 to investigation. Looking around, the thread is now gone. It has been gone ever since Tums grabbed it. And as you're walking out of this alleyway, you look down the alleyway in which the old woman departed. You don't see anything, but you think you hear the clink of something heavy and metal, kind of like it's falling back into place, if that makes sense. A manhole cover to a sewer. That's fine. Investigative thinking. Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Uh, Royal log that away as he makes uh, his way out of the alley. And as you make your way out of the alley, uh, you turn and see that the lizard folk in the Leonin are probably about 30 feet ahead of you. Cecilia, uh, from behind you, you hear these like heavy metal clunking kind of steps. Glancing over your shoulder, you see a large warforged. You recognize this warforged as one of the elite guard. Oh shit, the law. Punch down a little bit, hide in front of Ant-Man. Like, hide me, Ant-Man. And you also see a half-orc sporting half-plate armor. Uh, he is also a pretty intimidating uh, character, and he has the mark of the law on him. Oh, wait, what's... There's the Central Bureau, and then there's the law. Okay. Uh, which could be confusing, absolutely. Well, I got you guys. In case you have any confusion, Jessica's here to clear <laughs> shit up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um... Yeah, I just, I try and act, you know, not suspicious. I don't have the undead hand anymore, you know. I'm just, yeah. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> as we've already cued you as a suspicious person that we're going to follow. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, make a performance check. <laughs> Do I notice this awful got- performance? <laughs> I got a two to perform. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you guys see the the lizard folk kind of squat down and start singing a little song uh, after she notices you behind her. <laughs> and then I fall on my face and like, and then like get back up and like try and just like dust it off and. And uh, the Leonin Aunt May looks down at you like, "What are you doing?" Nothing. Is there a reason for you to be afraid of the bureau and the law? No, we just the Krugan and the law don't really have the same rules. You know, we're monster hunters, so we just kind of go and kill the monsters, whereas they have to like follow regulations and stuff. So we just sometimes do stuff that they don't really think is cool, but they don't know who I am, and I'm not wearing anything um, that makes me part of the Krugan or associated with the Krugan, let alone the Crested Swara, which, by the way, I was initiated this morning. It was awesome. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. See, my, my teal spots are brighter than normal, and I, like, flex, and, like, they, like, kind of illuminate a little bit. Wow. That's that's impressive. That, that's cool. Yeah. Anyway, and I, like, look back and see if they are, like, eyeing me. Uh, they are eyeing you. And the Warforged has a goblin slung over his shoulder. He looks like he's in a postal uniform. <laughs> I think Roy has been reinforced that this woman definitely knows where the party is. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, he's 
not really sure what else is going on. I just crack a big teethy smile and turn around. Right, G3 would turn over to uh, Roy. It's kind of like, uh, what's it called? When you're like, oh, play it cool, but you're definitely not playing it cool. <laughs> he would uh, <laughs> ask Roy, do you notice anything suspicious about that lizard folk up there? Oh, you mean how she just dropped in a dance, sang a little song, and then popped back up in the span of a few seconds? <laughs> That's not normal actions, is it? Well, not typically, but I do have a hunch that all we have to do is follow her and we'll be able to drop off the little goblin man in a second. Are you sure that's the best idea? Well, shaking him didn't work, so what's your plan? True. <laughs> True. You really don't get out much, do you? And, uh, yeah, G3 just goes on. You follow every rule they ever tell you? Most of the time. Isn't that what rules are for? I think they're there to be there. Well, G3, all I know is if we hadn't broken some rules, that lady would have got robbed tonight. I do agree with that perspective, but if you don't put any emphasis on rules, then what are the point of rules? I guess that's why people like you are here now. I suppose we are two sides of the same coin. I feel like this is a larger theoretical conversation. Maybe we should wake up the goblin first. (laughs) I'm not sure he's going to have that much to add, but... He did touch the thread. He might have useful information. Fair. I think this entire time they're just chatting while they're, I mean, if not waiting, kind of just milling or following Cecilia if she started walking. You continue this conversation loosely following the lizard folk in the Leonin uh, through some of these, you know, these other maze-like alleyways, and it really just hits you like Denbro is just packed. It's just living spaces crammed together, trying to be the most efficient it can be using vertical space. You come to a small courtyard, in a way, where you see some people milling about outside. It looks like there are some people who have, like, little front yards. They're trying to grow plants. The plants don't look too happy, and neither do the people, really. Uh, There's an old man smoking a pipe just sitting there. He looks at you kind of curmudgeonly as you pass by. And you see a large building with a sign out front. Uh, The sign reads, The Angry Gut Tavern. And there is a picture of a caricaturized stomach that has angry eyes and big angry eyebrows. You see the lizard folk and the Leonin step inside. Royal smiled to himself because he was right. She did know exactly where the party was. Got you. And he'll say, look, we found an inn. This place would be perfect to start our investigation. The lizard folk and the Leonin step inside, and you step inside close behind them. As you open the door, you are relieved from the sour scent of industry. And this is a very warm tavern space. The the space is kind of shaped like an L. As you come in, there is a hearth to your right, and you can see that a small fire is going. They have tables for the smaller people, and then they have some large tables for the bigger people. That'd be us. Now, there's a few things going on, so let me go ahead and tell you what you can see. So, looking around, to your left, you see the bar, where you see a goblin man. He kind of has a more yellow-green tint of skin with these kind of burnt orange liver spots. He looks like he's kind of older for a goblin, and he's behind the bar. Uh, directly across the space from you, at the far side of the room from which you entered, you see two more goblins that likewise have the yellowish-green sort of skin color. You see another one that has a kind of teal-blue tint, and he's wearing an apron. 
uh, he sees you and he looks at your payload, G3, and his eyes widen as he like looks down to his friends and starts murmuring. You also see at the larger table, uh, not too far from the goblins, a being known as a tortle, kind of an anthropomorphic tortoise man. And he is reading a newspaper uh, with a large flagon of a beverage at his side. You see a human man who looks like he's kind of silently weeping into his mug. There are several other mugs on the table next to him. Clearly this man is deep in his cups. You see that the older goblin barkeep has just welcomed the lizard folk and the Leonin into the tavern. Hey, welcome to the angry gut. Take a seat wherever you like. Thank you. He looks at you and a smile crosses his face. Welcome in. Welcome to the angry gut. Got some of the best food this side of the city. And then he looks at who is on your shoulder and just dread crosses his face. Oh no, my boy! My boy! And he leaps over the counter and he scurries up to you guys. Goes, what are you doing with my son? Get him, put him down! Huh? What did he do? Huh? He's a good kid! He's a good kid! Sir, it wasn't us. He seems to have gotten to some trouble. Can you help us revive him? Some trouble? Uh, yeah, here! And he clears off one of these tables. Uh, put him, put him down here! God damn it, Thumbs. And he scurries around and, and you see that he gets like a big mug of something. He pours it out of this oaken cask and it looks like a very thick liquid. He scurries up to this goblin postal worker and just empties it on his face. Tums, after having this very terrible dream-like memory almost, it feels like it's a memory, but but not yours. You're having these weird kind of dreams afterwards, and suddenly you are assaulted by the very familiar kind of taste and burning of your father's homemade grog recipe. As it just splashes over your face, your eyes open, and you see the familiar ceiling of your family's tavern. You see the half-orc, the warforged, and your father, Prilo, looking over you. You okay, Tums? What happened? Oh, shit. I said I needed a drink. I didn't want it all over me. Well, you were out, kid. What do you expect me to do? The grog never fails. Jeez, last thing I remember was uh, this big old bucket over here and the uh, Johnny Law. They were they were harassing somebody and they told me to go touch a rope and I touched it. And uh, next thing I know, I'm, I'm passed out. Hey, hey, hey. I think it was his own idea to go touch that rope. I don't think we suggested that at all. The goblin, the bartender, Prilo, hears the words that his son says, and he looks, he goes, What are you guys doing here, huh? You getting my son into trouble? Aren't you supposed to be members of some respectable organization? What are you doing around here like you got everything going on, huh? You know what the rules are around here. You're just forcing him to touch ropes that make him seize up or something? Did these guys hurt you, Tums? Do we, do we have to talk to the Bureau? We are the Bureau. Roy points to G3 as he says this. I'm not sure there's really anybody you can report us to. And besides, we didn't do anything. I mean, come on. We didn't. We carried your son here. We could have left him in the alley. And he looks at you, a scowl on his face. Oh, look here, pal. I know there's always a chain of command and something tells me you two aren't at the top of it. All right, I can report you if I need to report you. Uh, listen, Pop, Pop, just just settle down, Pop. I, 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 I may have misspoke. They're not bad guys. I'm here. I've just had a terrible day. Can I can I get a drink? I, I I lost my job at the post. Your father looks at you with a blank face. You lost your job at the post? Yeah, it was a bad day. Hey, 
and he puts his hand on your shoulder. This is a great day. This is a gift, Toms. Now you were never living up to your potential. They never saw what I see in you, boy. You you gotta come here, you gotta work here. You got the mind for it. I, you can take on the family business. I got four more years till I disintegrate and someone's gotta take care of this place. Oh no, Pop. Cause I won't hear it, not yet, not yet. We'll get, we'll pour you a drink. Hey, and on that note, free drinks for everybody. And you see the goblin come by and he kind of like, he would slap you on the back, but he's not tall enough. So he just kind of like, kind of slaps you on the lower back, Roy, and just like slaps you on the thigh. G3 goes, thanks for bringing my boy over here. This is great news. All right, drinks for everybody. One round though, just one round. Yeah, goblin man, woo! <laughs> And then uh, Prilo uh, scurries back behind the uh, the counter, and he just starts pouring mugs. Who knew, Aunt May, that we would get free drinks? Meant to be. Yeah, um, something tells me that's not the response that little goblin wanted. That's his problem. Tums just is like, he's sinking in his chair. He's like, invisible practically. Royal, look at G3 and say, well, we got the goblin problem solved. Uh, we should probably start uh, talking to these people. See if we can learn anything. We should ask the small ex-mailman if he saw anything when he touched the thread. Oh, fair idea. It's a good plan. Should we let him have a drink first? Maybe he'll have less reservations. Royal look at Tums, who's clearly sinking in his chair, and say, Yeah, maybe a drink would do him good. He's been through a lot today. Do you take a seat along with Tums? Yeah, I, I suppose Royal would probably pull up a chair next to him. I think G3 is a, a little interested in this, like, organic tank person it's a turtle <laughs> so you know he's gonna sit down at the table with them but all of his attention is going to turtle dude yeah looking at this uh turtle man you can see that he is reading one of these newspapers on the front of it the headline says experts report thunder stallion near miss on moving day and that's what it says in big, bold letters. And there's a picture of this large, eight-legged equine figure that has eyes that, like, shoot lightning. It is just surrounded by a storm. With most of the newspapers, uh, it kind of has this, like, moving quality. It looks like arcs of lightning are, like, rippling off, and, and the clouds are kind of rolling behind this figure. Something in the back of your mind, G3, reminds you of your dream that you had earlier. And in the back of your head, you kind of hear this voice say, You have been chosen. G3 kind of, he sits and is contemplating, you know, what this means, but still kind of paying attention to the newspaper and seeing if he can see anything else on it as he sits. Okay, uh, you can do a perception for me if you like. Perception? G3 got a 19. So with the ability to, like, focus and zoom with your eyeballs, <laughs> uh, you are able to read uh, a little bit of what's going on. And roughly it says, as the ring of Tlayutan is but months away, we are experiencing an unprecedented event. The Thunder Stallion and his storm of Sleepnir are passing dangerously close to the wandering city on the sunset of moving day. Experts say that this will be a near miss and there is no reason for anyone to be concerned. Though, with the dawning of a new shadowed age, could this be an omen? And then there's like a little sub-headline, and the little sub-headline it says, Warforged eavesdropping up 17%. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then another one that says office building caught fire. <laughs> Experts are confused. Could have been an inside job. Fugitive postal worker lights his boss's office on fire. <laughs> So I'm going to shift some of this attention back to Cecilia. Cecilia, you are at a table with Aunt May. And at this point, the goblin bartender has dropped off a large flagon at the table for everybody. Looking around, I mean, you are seated very close to the orc, the warforged, and the goblin postal worker. And in the corner, um, kind of at the opposite end of the room from the countertop from the bar you see a solitary figure. Uh, They appear to be a tabaxi. A tabaxi is also a feline humanoid, though this one has less of the strong, bold features and build of a Leonin, and more of the live features of, like, a house cat. And uh, their fur pattern is calico. And you do notice that they are reading some unsavory uh, magazine content. What do you mean by unsavory? It's a porno mag. Jeez. It's called. God, this realm is just so dirty. It's called Flagons. <laughs> Flagons, oh Hulahan. Oh, I get it. <laughs> I, I turned away. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like my back being um, away from the, like, the law and the guard, so I, like, kind of stand up and, like, sit next to Aunt May, like, on the same, like, side of the table and be like, don't mind me, just trying to find more pleasant views. There's a cool turtle man over there. Yeah, that's a turtle. Cool. Don't see him often around here, but they are in the Hezcocosa Desert. So we all, we all have drinks now, right? You all have drinks, and that will shift the attention over to Tums. So Tums, your father Prilo just puts these three mugs of the best ale in the house on the table, and he grabs you and he goes, Son, I'm proud of you. And uh, he just kind of like grabs you by the shoulders before the weepy human man says, Um, you forgot about me. Oh. Oh, yes, absolutely. Sorry, guys, sorry. Uh, excuse me, fellas. And he walks off. Uh, Tums, you also notice in the corner, you see your brother, Pep. He is just throwing the most shade with his eyes as he is whispering to his friends. Uh, clearly, he is unhappy that you are in the presence of the law and the Central Bureau. (laughs) He's always been skeptical of you ever since you got your postal job, just thinking that you might be some part of some shadowy government cabal. Uh, this just proves it right here. Yeah, and this this puts him uh, puts him a little on edge. And as he's talking to his friends, you hear your dad bark from behind the countertops. Pep, get back in the kitchen. There's cooking to do. Oh, okay, Dad. Yeah, I'm going. And he crosses the bar and he, he goes back into the kitchen, uh, just kind of shooting daggers at your table. Oh man, I do not want to talk to Pep right now. He's gonna go on for days. Do you do you guys hear about? This, like, lizard folk conspiracy that that uh, people like my brother are into. They live in the sewers. There's a conspiracy that lizard folk live in the sewers? Roy has never heard about this, and he's going to look at G3. We've never investigated lizard folk in the sewers. I don't think that's a credible new... Where'd, where'd you get that news source, Goblin Man? No, it's... It's complete. Do I hear this? We'll go ahead and use your passive perception, Cecilia. What is your passive perception? 13. Okay, so with a 13, you hear something about lizard folk living in sewers. 
from that. Do I hear thing. Roy being like defending us? Yeah. Okay. My blood fucking boiling at this point. Like I can feel that heat just so angry. I'm like how dare you spread lies, you filthy little goblin? And I just like start saying that out loud. And like Aunt May just she is not seeing my good side today. Cause she usually sees like pleasant little Cecilia eating dinner, you know, mm. not the not the one monster tries to... hunter, <laughs> angry angry lizard. That's right. I don't do shit though because I don't want to engage with the law and the guard. Okay, but yeah, I guess uh, Roynar, Tums, and G three, you do hear the lizard folk. Really? Yes. <laughs> Just your tables are right next to each other. Let's go ahead and say there's no secrets between the two. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying that lizard people live in, lizard folk live in, in sewers. I'm saying that this is what my brother believes, okay? So th- this isn't an issue of lizard folk, but he's he is convinced that there are lizard folk that live in the sewers and they come out and they snatch all us little folk, okay? Little folk, that's goblins. You got your gnomes. You got your dwarves. You got your other half-breeds, okay? We're all small folk and he's convinced that there is... Uh, a, a, a cabal of of lizard folk in in the sewers and they're snatching us and and that uh, well they they do things things to right, us and, right. and, I'm and stop you there that, that, that they brother, are rejuvenated the and they have eternal life I'm not saying oh my this God. is it, it, this isn't my belief. That's okay? insane. That is literally insane. Then why are you spreading it? Huh? I'm not spreading. Why are you it? spreading I'm, this information? I can I, hear I you. Am merely trying to illustrate. That I cannot trust my brother because he believes some crazy shit, okay? You're gonna have to persuade me about that point right there. <laughs> Alright, go ahead and make a persuasion, Tums. A 13 for persuasion. Do I do a counter? You can do a counter, or you can go ahead and say that that is a high enough roll for you. Yeah, okay. So Cecilia kind of, like, shrugs a little bit more, finishes her, her free drink... And and just mumbles and be like, don't catch your brother near me. He's going to get fucking beat up. You hear? You don't talk shit about my people. We are elegant, we are majestic, and we are warriors. And we, we, we do good things, and we help the city. We are the Krugan who kill monsters, okay? There's more of us letters for you to take. So I think G3 just finished reading the front page of the news and kind of looks back at the two of them yelling table to table. <laughs> he kind of looks at Roy. What just happened here? Oh, wait, you see, the, the little goblin was um, offending the, the lizard folk lady. Ooh, that's not good. I think I'll let this one play out. Aunt May puts her hand on your shoulder. She goes, okay, Cecilia, yeah, just let's calm down. Get your hand off me, please! Okay, okay. She takes her hand off and makes a placative gesture. Let's just get some food and we can go. I just don't understand. I'm, I'm merely explaining... That my brother is a piece of shit. Not that I'm a piece of shit. And here I'm getting painted as one. It's an unfair world, little goblin man. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, you know, when you touched that thread earlier, um, did you did you see anything? What happened with that? You just kind of went to a seizure. I hear them talking about some magical string, so I'm gonna eavesdrop. Yeah, and you kind of eavesdrop as Aunt May goes up to the bar and starts placing an order. Got mozzarella sticks, please. Thank you. How is uh, Tums' beer doing as Roy asks him this question? I don't know, Tums. You finish it? So Tums has been slugging back. Like, <laughs> he's got, like, one big gulp. You see, like, three rings for the beer, and, like, that's it. There's He's finish it in thirds. 
So as Roy asks Tums this question, uh, G3 slides over his untouched beer to Tums to kind of uh, convince him to explain this story. Tums grabs another swig out of that one instantly. There's like no, there's no consideration for it. Not even like a wave, like a thanks, just like it's in front of him. So that's what's inside of him. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I remember I touched that string. Uh, after you were being accusatory, you know, very bold move. You owe me two now, now that I got knocked out for you and you were rude to me. But there was all kinds of fucked up shit, man. It was like, there was fire all over the place, and it felt very, uh, you know, end of the world type situation. There was masses of, like, blobby looking guys, and, uh, look, I, I, I gotta be careful with what I say, apparently. I can't, you can't mention... Um, you know, the descriptions of people anymore in, in a room, but uh, uh, there was a blue we'll say humanoid figure um, uh, that appeared to be very ominous and bringing about all of this uh, this doomy feeling. Lots of fire. Really smoky. Cecilia, you hear something about blobby people, but you have a mouthful of some confection. Do you say blobby people? Look, I'm not trying to say anything bad about blobby people, okay? They were just in my dream. No, 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 listen, listen, listen. I, like, stand up and scurry over and sit at their table. I slam both hands down on the table. I'm like, blobby equals undead. I hunt undead. Give me the deeds. There were blobby people in my dreams. What do you want to know? Are you going to harass me? (laughs) Did the blobby people move as if they weren't alive. I would describe them as a horde of of uh, of blobby things. Uh, the- undead. Okay. They were undead. They, they were. Uh- and you said you touched a string before this. What was the color? What was it like? What was the string? Where did it come from? Uh, it was kind of bright, and uh, you know, when I touched it, it made me see this horrible shit. So, yeah. Hmm. These two bozos. These two bozos. They didn't want to touch it. You know. I thought I could handle it. I'm a dexterous person, and uh, uh, it, it didn't end well. I, I, that's how I got here. I woke up here. That's why I smell like grog now. Thank you. Hold on, ex-postman. We didn't convince you to touch it. You seemed kind of excited to. Yeah, if I remember, you were the one who told me not to touch it. Well, that's one way of viewing the events, but here we are, and I'm the one covered in grog. And the one that saw these blobby people. So that's where we're at now. You see the lizard folk, Cecilia, pull out a little book that she got. It's a handbook on undead that she got during initiation. Mm. And she's flipping through the page trying to see if there's anything about a blue string. I got 12 to Arcana, and that's including my advantage on undead. So looking through your book on the creatures of the lower planes, demons, undead, and devils, there is nothing that explicitly states anything about glowing threads Mm. that show people visions. Okay, well, maybe you are crazy. Anyway, bye. Now I go back over and start eating my mozzarella sticks again. G3 turns to the other two. Who was that? That's how we knew this was where to come. But, uh, well, I don't know that that's very helpful. The Caltan didn't mention anything to me about apocalypses or fire or blobby people. Were you briefed on anything like that? Perhaps it's just a coincidence, but as I was reading over that turtle's shoulder, there seemed to be a mention of possible apocalypse. Like a spring shower? What is this? Well, and then G3 kind of goes into very technical breakdown of 
the dark sun and this and that, and everyone's just like, what? <laughs> yeah, breaking down the ring of Tlayutan, uh, a period of time where the veil between realms is at its thinnest, and that chaos seems to reign. This comes every hundred years uh, through the phases of the Shadow Sun. That. Well, uh, okay. Um, did you get any hints about when this was going to come, little goblin man? Uh, look, man, I, I told you what the situation was. You were there. You saw me. I touched the thread. I see fire. All kinds of blobby people. Demons! And a big blue dude. That's it. Here I am, covered in grog. That's that's where we are. I'd like to point out that your own father was the one who poured the grog on you. That's hardly our fault. I'm not blaming anybody. I am simply stating where we are. I was going to say I want to do an investigation on the blue humanoid, but I only got a nine. So, yeah. No mention. No. I'm going to see my monster L6 listening still. Very intently. Seems like lizard folk eavesdropping is also up 10%. <laughs> Sub subheading on the... <laughs> Listen, I, I, I know you guys are like uh, Johnny Law over here and then uh, Big Bucket Man, you, you're with the Bureau. Uh, what are you doing over here? Well, have you heard about those 15 people who disappeared? Uh, no. Enlighten me. Well. Well, 15 people disappeared. That. Your conversation is cut off abruptly as you hear Prilo call from the front counter. Tums! Uh, Tums! Quit, quit talking to those guys! Come on, come over here! Uh, I got something I need to talk to you. Uh, Alright, uh, and Tums pulls out his chair. I'll, I'll share it with you gents later. And I go up, I, I see Prilo, what's up? I'm sorry. I realize that that was probably pretty embarrassing for me to just be so excited. It's just you've been working there for so long, and you do such good work. I know you do. You work, you're a hard worker, kid. You know, I'm super proud of you. You know, I, I, I couldn't have, have, have dreamed of having a better son. I see that they didn't they didn't care about the work that you did. They were always asking more and asking more. And, you know, I'm, I'm 56 now. You know, my days are numbered. And your brother, he just, he's gone, gone wackadoo. You know, he, he's getting worse, Tums. Oh, shit. He, he said that he's... He said that he saw something. He he grabbed a he grabbed a glowing thread, and he he saw something. He believes that the bureau is is playing a part in in the destruction of the city. That experts are lying. He says the Thunder Stallion's gonna roll right through Brasley's Point, trample us all. Oh, jeez, he's gotta stay out of the alt newspapers. He's I I keep telling him. I keep finding that garbage and using it for kindling. I can't keep him in the kitchen. He doesn't stay and cook. He goes out with his buds and he's just talking. He's blowing it off. He doesn't care about the business, Tums. And I know how your mind works. It's like a steel trap, kid. I know that you could run this business like nobody. You could do it better than me. Uh, I know it's not your first choice. And you've been here for as long as you can remember. Just consider it. This place is not going to last in the hands of your brother. It's up to you, Tums, if you want this this to keep going. Because one day, I'm just going to poof into ashes, as we all do. Pop, I hate it when you talk like this. I'm sorry, Tums, but you'll see one day 
when you get older, when you get these liver spots, and he kind of like picks out a point of his skin and it stretches pretty far. You see the kind of burnt orange liver spot on his head. It's gonna happen, kid. I gotta stare my mortality down in the face. All right? I know it makes you uncomfortable. Don't think of losing this job as a, a loss or a closed door. It's an opportunity. You can expand on, on what you've learned. I mean, look around at this place. Can I get a perception from you real quick, Tums? Tums rolls a 15 in perception. And you look around this tavern that you grew up in. Memories kind of coming back of you and your brother Pep playing. Just all these phases of your life. And you look around and your eyes fall upon this tabaxi character in the far side of the room. The one who's looking at the porno? Yes, the one who was looking at the porno. Except in his hands, you see a copy of GQ, Goblin's Quarterly. Oh, and he's reading it, flipping nice. through the pages. His feline eyes look up at you and kind of shine with a hint of recognition. Before you can kind of act on that, you hear your father's voice again. Just think about it, Tums. I just... Don't want to think that once I go poof, this place goes poof too. Uh, all right, Pop. I'll, I'll I'll think on it. But tonight, I I, I just gotta get messed up, man. That's that's where I'm at. <laughs> you want a grog? Yeah, I'll I'll take a grog. What about our friend back there? Does he need anything to drink? Oh, I already gave him his ale. I mean, he's barely nursing the other one. The guy hardly touches his alcohol. But I gave him a second, so he's fine. I don't know why he's bringing that smut in here, but hey, we're not kid-friendly. And Tom's like, froze his brow, like, kind of confused. He doesn't, he doesn't get what he means by smut. And he doesn't have much to say about that. He's like, well, look, I'll, you seem like you were talking with those guys. I'll, I'll leave you be, all right? I know this is, this ain't the best day for you. So just help yourself to the grog and, uh, take it easy, all right? If you need to talk to anybody, we're here. Thanks, Pop. I'll... I'll talk to you soon. All right. So now we're going to shift over to Roinar and G3 while y'all are at this table and Tums has departed. What would you two like to do? Uh, apocalypse or nothing, we still don't have any idea where those people could be. What do you think we should do next? That lizard folk mentioned she was a demon hunter? I think she did say something about that, yeah. You think this has something to do with demons? It's a possibility worth investigating. We have no other leads currently. Fair. Why would a demon hunter be here? You mean, in a bar? I more meant this area of town, but also why a bar? Maybe she's seen some things that she's trying to forget. Well, I guess, do you want to go talk to her? And I can try to go interview this turtle. It's kind of weird to see him out. Maybe he knows something. G3 kind of looks over. Did Cecilia overhear him talking? He wasn't being overly quiet. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Cecilia has has overheard. Uh, it appears that the lizard folk is continuing to just eat mozzarella sticks. Yeah, I don't really want to talk about it. I realize I might have been too upfront about who I am, especially towards you two specific people, so... I'm just eating my, my mozzarella sticks, pretending I didn't hear, hoping that you don't actually pursue that. G3 turns back to Roy. You seem to be better with organic beings. Why don't you talk to the demon hunter, and I'll talk to the elderly turtle? Oh, you just want an excuse to talk to the turtle. You see right through me. Fine. G3 kind of uh, excitedly hops up and scoots over to the turtle. And I think Roy will turn and uh, take a seat across from Cecilia. 
the lizard folk. So I'm going to go ahead and we're going to go with G3 first, and then we'll go to Roinar and Cecilia. So G3, you sit down at the table with the turtle reading his newspaper, and he looks up at you. Um, hello? Uh, how can I help you? I see you're browsing today's news. That's right. The front page is quite interesting, isn't it? He turns to look at the front page. Mm, yes. That's somewhat concerning news. What do you think will happen? Well, I tend to trust the experts, and I think it's probably gonna be a near miss. But I might not be in this side of town uh, when tomorrow comes. Are you traveling? Well, yes. Yes, I am. Where are you traveling from? Where I'm coming from? Uh, I believe I came from home. Uh, it was some other part uh, miles away in the desert. It's dry, sandy, desolate. Lots of creosote. Tons of creosote. Some globe model. That's nice. I like that. But where I'm going, I can't say. I'm just kind of traveling, you know? I'm a rambling tortoise. <laughs> G3 realizes this is a lost cause. And also possibly the world's <laughs> longest conversation that will ever go on between two people. Um, so he, <laughs> he thanks the turtle and takes his leave. Okay, well, have a great day, uh, Best of luck to you. Good luck on your travels, and thank you for your time. Well, of course, stay safe out there. I heard people were uh, disappearing. Did you? <laughs> but you're a little big to disappear, aren't you? <laughs> G3 knocks on wood. Um, he's not superstitious, but that was a little close to home. Uh, the turtle turns to the door and goes, oh, Who's there? You mentioned people disappearing. What have you heard? Oh, I've heard about... Uh, People walking the alleyways, and, uh, you know, sometimes the uh, darkness would, uh, darker, darker darkness, the nighttime would just, uh, encapsulate an alleyway, and, and people would go missing, and, uh, there wasn't a trace of where they went. Uh, there, there was some, someone told me that, uh, uh, there were two people on the other side of an alleyway, and the third person got swallowed up by the darkness, and, uh, they were gone. Just gone. When the darkness faded, there's no way there. Empty. They just kind of poof. Poof. Like a goblin at 60 years old. <laughs> Is there anyone that you could point me to that has seen this firsthand? Uh, well, that fellow over there is crying into his ale. He's been a, a weepy little bitch all day. So maybe uh, he's been talking about his grandma. And uh, maybe you could talk to him. Uh, he might know a thing or two. Thank you, sir. I appreciate this information. It's been most helpful. Uh, of course. Happy to help. And, uh, you know, uh, be careful out there. Don't want to disappear. But, uh, you're a little big to disappear, huh? <laughs> I love that that line got repeated. That's, good, <laughs> that's fantastic. It's like he really only has one closer and that's it every time. <laughs> right? <laughs> So G3, you cross past the bar um, as you see Tom's talking to his father. Uh, you see Roynar begin a conversation with this lizard folk demon hunter uh, while the Leonin's at the table, and you cross over to the, the weeping gentleman. Why aren't you home, Grandma? <laughs> you don't go anywhere. You're always at home and they're never home. And I didn't know. <laughs> 
and he turns around uh, and he looks at you, GP. Goes, what? What do you want? Can't help but over here between your sobs, your grandmother has gone missing. Yeah, man. I was coming back from work from my from my job at the Tanners, and you know my grandma's always home. I, I gotta bring the money home, man, because the guards are. The guards are always taking my cash, man. And I just... And I... I tried to... Today was the day to pay up, man. And I came back last night, and the door was open, and my grandma was gone, dude. Do you remember the last place you... Where'd you go, grandma? Was she at the house before she disappeared? She never leaves, man. She's always at the house. Look at this. And he shows this really nice, like, crocheted, like, half sweater that he had. She, she just crochets all the time, man. She's, like, super handy. I'm, like, really proud of her. Wonderful craftsmanship. By chance, could we investigate your home to find more clues to hopefully find your grandmother? I mean, I guess if you want it, man, like, you, you can do that. I mean, who are you, man? Like... You're all big and metal and scary, dude. <laughs> Why do you care about my grandma? Well, sir, <laughs> I I work with the Central Bureau, and it's my job to find people who have gone missing. <laughs> you you can you can help me find my grandma. <laughs> yes, that's that's some pretty good news, dude. I I would love if you could find my grandma, man. That would be great. Oh, be sweet. Yes. Because I don't know where she could have gone, man. Sweet. I swear she doesn't even know how to open the door, man. <laughs> Can uh, G3 do like a perception check? How like wasted is this guy? Or an insight maybe? I don't even think you need to. This guy's fucking trashed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's no insight needed. He is really fucking Just drunk. wrecked. Just wrecked. He he's swaying in his seat. And Tom's dad said he'd only have like. No, it's the other guy with the porno mag. Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I feel like Cecilia responded to that. Yeah. <laughs> the the tabaxi like you know looks at his magazine. He just kind of turns a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Hide it. it. You. Disgusting. He the tabaxi looks at you and goes, "I have needs, okay." <laughs> and he just turns back to his magazine. You see that this guy is is pretty drunk, but he's willing to to let you investigate his home. While this is happening, we're going to go ahead and go over to Roinar and Cecilia. Cecilia, you're sitting there eating your mozzarella sticks, and you see that Aunt May is just kind of nibbling at her food. Um, and then the half-orc with the half-plate and the law symbol on his chest sits down at the table with you. Good evening, officer. Good evening. So... Uh, I believe you just mentioned that you were a demon hunter? <laughs> demon slayer. Cecilia is now regretting such bold <laughs> stances in life. I'm not gonna lie, but like, well, yeah, we're I'm part of the Krugan. You know about the Krugan. Oh yeah, the Krugan. I'm familiar with your work. Roy nods appreciatively. Yeah. Yeah, thanks bro, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Killing monsters. So it's, yeah. Yeah, man. And my specific uh, family focuses on demons, undead, and devils. Why are you down here? What are you investigating at Barazley Point? 
Other demons, devils, or undead here? And Aunt May, like, sputters on her drink a little bit. Oh, excuse me. And I look to her, like, to see if she would be okay with me saying something. I guess she shrugs. Okay, and so I I turn to the lawman in front of me and I say, You gotta keep this on the down low, because we don't know much about it, and my aunt kind of person could get in a lot of trouble if her boss finds out, okay? Uh, I will be as discreet as possible, ma'am, but this is, you should know, this information is, uh, I'm investigating the disappearance of 15 people, so anything you could say that could help would be very useful. Yeah, I wonder if this is connected to each other. Some demons broke into the museum last night and tried to steal something, but Aunt May here stopped them and caught hold of one of them's arms that has a mouth on the palm. Super creepy. I'm guessing, because they can fit through small areas, I'm guessing that they went through the sewer pipes. Sewers, interesting. What were they after at the museum? Well... And Aunt May speaks up. Hi, uh, my name is Meriwether Tigerstorm. Um, nice to meet you. I'm the curator, and uh, they were after a particular book known as the Kota Danov. It is a book on how to summon and control lesser demons. The devil's trying to get demons. Interesting. If I remember correctly from what Cecilia said, it's it's demons trying to get a hold of demons. So now that's more worrying. And have you found anything else out? I mean, uh, did Cecilia mention that that was last night? Yeah, they attacked last night, and my friend told me about it this morning, so I came on over, and, and I want to find these guys and take them down. Well, between the signs of apocalypse, disappearing people, and now talk of demons, sounds like this is a right place for some kind of action. Maybe we can work together. I've already got the big guy over there to follow me around. I don't know if I need you too. Excuse me? I would be a valuable asset to your party. Or I could just do my own thing, but more people to fight bad guys better usually, like, but I guess I can work alone. And Aunt May speaks up. Um, well, pardon me, Mr. Um, I'm sorry, what was your name? Oh, I apologize. I haven't introduced myself. I am uh, Sir Roynar of the Law. Okay, Sir Roynar. I have uh, known Cecilia for a long time, and I know that she is very apt in combat. She can handle herself. Uh, I would vouch for her if, if my word would mean enough. Well... I suppose as long as we don't have to drag along that worthless goblin postman, <laughs> anything's preferable. So, sure, you can come with us. Yeah, he's a piece of crap. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> wow, shots fired. I'm totally kidding. Aunt May at this point stands up. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm I'm finished eating for now. I'm going to head back to the museum. Um, maybe if you want, uh, you can stop by later. I don't know. I know you're very busy. Um, but something tells me they might be back tonight. If if you can put a detail on it, I, I'd appreciate it. But I have to get back. Um, so, in, Cecilia, uh, d- do whatever you like. Thanks for stopping by. I feel like I want to go with her. Uh, okay. Um, okay, wait. I want to do an insight. Like, do demons tend to be awake at night or at during the day? Um, just because if like if they're gonna be awake, I yeah. Want do to like an her. do like an Arcana check with advantage for your demon hunting knowledge. I got twenty one to Arcana. 
So there are some varieties of demons and devils who are sensitive to sunlight. Nighttime seems to be a good time for them to strike, or like heavily overcast days, or like during storms. Um, okay. Especially under the light of Tlayutan, the shadow sun, they are not a fan. Oh, um, really? Yeah, okay. they don't They don't like to function very much under the okay. light of the, the shadow sun. All right, well, I'll be back later tonight, Aunt May. Um... Maybe maybe call Stacy down to hang out with you or something. I don't know. Just get get some protection. Stacy learned a cool new move, by the way. Well, maybe I could get Stacy down there, but for protection, that's why I was talking to you. Um, quick quick cue, do I have like any way of reporting back or like would I have to like physically go tell someone? Uh you could either go to uh you could either go to like a Pigeon Roost. They do have them periodically around town. Pigeon. Yeah, it's like a phone booth, but it's a pigeon booth. Uh, there's always just a pigeon ready to go. Oh, I'm totally fucking hitting up a pigeon booth. I don't even want to hear you. <laughs> right. Roy will look at Aunt May, and he'll say, uh, I'll make sure to send a pigeon back to headquarters. I'm trying to get some men down here to protect you. I really appreciate that, uh, Sir Roynar. With that, uh, I guess I'll, I'll take my leave. And... Aunt May crosses the tap room, and she opens the door. I would say all members of this party, Roy, Tums, G3, Cecilia, you see that this Leonin figure pauses in the door before you start hearing a light whine, and it grows into a shrieking, and it becomes apparent that there is more than one source of this shrieking, and there's a rumble, and then a hard sound of metal being hit. Aunt May looks over to your table. She goes, um, Celia? Sir Roynar? You might need to see this. Looking through the latticework windows, you can see three large kind of worm-like figures about six to eight feet in length. They have these long tentacles on the front of their face. Four tentacles kind of flowering out and curling with these obsidian dark beaks clacking. They are shrieking and moving about this courtyard in errant circles. You see that curmudgeonly old man smoking his pipe go, no, no, as one just tackles on top of him, wraps its tentacles around him and digs its beak into this guy. Aunt Mega down! That is where we are gonna go ahead and end our session for today. Damn, dude. <laughs> they touch at me, I'm gonna be pissed. Uh, how was this session for you? Pretty RP heavy. Tom's, I feel so bad. <laughs> Savagely attack each other. <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> we'll have rapport. That's good. No. Tension. Yeah. Dramatic tension. It's true. Forever branded a racist. <laughs> I was excited for, uh... Tom's to talk to the porno mag guy. Mm, yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, I was really waiting for that to happen. Ooh. Well, we'll see what happens. Next time. I mean, what? Looks like they there's uh, some bigger good. fish to fry, but this dude with his porno mag, you know, <laughs> the only way out's the front door. That's a pretty big fish. Yeah, <laughs> three pretty big fish. Um, yeah, this was a fun session. Um, I felt like uh, we got a lot of a lot of Cecilia interaction. I think maybe last episode we were light on that. So that's, I think that's like awesome. And then Tom's got like a ton of backstory, I think. Yeah. We like really fleshed out like Tom's as being like, you know, he's, his whole family's here and like, I don't know, he has established relationships now with the, with like the people in this world. So that's neat. Yeah. I, I was hoping you would like that. I hope you like the, uh, 
pseudo Danny DeVito voice of your goblin father. It's <laughs> good. The uh, surprise of his dad being excited was so awesome. I was like, oh no, this is going to be a real downer. And then yeah. he's just like, fuck yeah, come work in the yeah. bar. That's great. <laughs> I was kind of hoping Tom's had, like, a lot of siblings. I was hoping that whole table was Tom's with his brothers, <laughs> and they were all, like, somewhat displeased with him. Or happy for him, you know? I was just hoping to get a whole passel of Tom's. But I, I think we gotta see more from Tom's brother. Uh, his psycho brother. Yeah, and, you know, I figured, like, there's some, there's some reasons why, you know, Tom's and his brother look different than other goblins around. So I guess, yeah. How do they look different? They have bluish teal skin. And the oh. other goblins have like a yellowish green. Oh. Yeah. Did we know this mm-hmm. before? Yes. Okay. It was in descriptions. Of Once me. again, Jessica coming in with the more you know. There you are. You'll help clarify everything. Yeah, I got you, listeners. All right. All right. Well, I think that's a fine time to wrap up. Hey, folks. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Seems like more than just grog has been brewing at the Angry Gut Tavern. Join us next time to see what happens. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review and subscribe. And of course, share with a friend. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit for more fun stuff and updates. We will be releasing a spooky miniseries in October where we play Cthulhu Dark, so keep your eyes peeled. As per usual, episodes of our main campaign will drop on the last Thursday of each month. If you want more of the Tavern Squad, you can visit our website, tavernsquad.com. There, you can find our first podcast campaign titled The Land of Corruption. You can discover more about the fantasy setting and learn a pinch more about the squad. Our intro song is Briefcase Number 1, performed by Tartanic. Our intro speech is written and performed by Lou Fox. Other artists that provided music and sound effects are the RPG music maker, Travis Savoye, and Danya Vodavaz. You can find links to their content and other contributors' content in the show notes. With that, the last call has been made, the tavern is closing, you don't have to go home, but you can take a grog for the road. Toodaloo!